Well, round five was one of frills and spills. It was an exciting weekend of rugby league. It was sure better than last week. AJ and Rich will recap all eight games of the Premiership, as well as an enthralling NRLW Grand Final. We'll also look at the Marcelo Montoya investigation as he prepares to front the judiciary on contrary conduct, as well as look at the issues rife in the game, including the captain's challenge loophole and the head high tackle crackdown. This is the league scenes look at the fifth round of the NRL season. Welcome everyone to the League Scenes Look at Round 5 of the NRL season. I'm AJ Luke Antonio, contributor to the League Unlimited website and the Front Row Program. Joining me as all contributor, Reese Sullivan. Reese, oh, we've made it through five back. rounds. AJ, I don't understand how we're here. I don't understand why we're here. All I know is that I'm here. I have a microphone in my hand, a laptop in front of me, and we're going to talk about footy. We've, we've, we've had slow growth, I will admit that. <laughs> oh, it's been... It's been steady progress. I've enjoyed the first, technically this is the seventh episode of the year. Yeah, when you're throwing um, the season previews in the trials. Yep, so I've enjoyed the episode so far. Let's hope we can keep this quality going for the rest of the year and keep growing as well. Another busy week of rugby league this week. I'm going to do a bit of a spoiler early. There's no tank bowls this week. I'm actually very glad to announce that because as much as we laugh at how crap a game is, it also is painful to talk about, as you can document from last Thursday night's shit-tacular. Yeah. Although there might be one next week or this week coming. Touch wood, we don't. Touch wood. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that Easter Sunday game with some trepidation. So The 4pm time slot is in jeopardy. <laughs> we shall see. Okay, so on the program, we're going to recap the fifth round of the NRL season. As always, it is a fairly drama-charged week. Uh, we're also going to be covering off on the judiciary news because there is a massive incident. They'll be going before the judiciary tomorrow night, as well as covering off on Graham Annesley's briefings and awarding our prestigious Lowell Cow of the Week, as we always do. Can't wait. So, let's get into it. Thursday night, saw Newcastle taking on Manly. Manly, too strong, 30 points to six. But it's coming at a massive cost for the Newcastle Knights losing three potential starters out of this match. Jairam Amasia, Dominic Young, and Adam Clune. But Newcastle looked flat on Thursday night. Yeah, and, you know, it was a rain game. And usually rain games favour teams like Newcastle who can just slug it out through the forwards. But Josh Alloway absolutely dominated the Knights forwards. And 100% he did. He dominated the Canberra forwards a week earlier. He carried that form into Newcastle. Seagulls fans should be very happy with that. Um, and off the back of that, you know, obviously the Seagulls had no Tom Tobojevic. That was a big story going into the game. Because obviously last season, they didn't win a game without him. Also the reshuffle with Kohler being a late withdrawal. Yep, exactly. And they didn't look out of sync at all. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, too, um, 
there was something, there was a big turning point in this game where Chris Randall lost, uh, had a no try. Yeah. It was at a pinnacle turning point. It was 10 6, actually, potentially gets it back to 12 10. From there, mainly going and score 20 unanswered points. And I get the uh, arguments easy to make. Oh, Newcastle were out on troops. They were missing players. That's exactly right. But the point is, it's always about that next man up mentality. And yes, I'm saying that as a Bayern Roosters supporter that had to see this stuff go on week in, week out last year. But Newcastle, all the talk is about, oh, they're going to compete for a final spot. Two weeks ago, when we were reviewing the new Penrith game, we are talking about them as a possible semi-final sneaker. They yeah, looked anything I mean, but it on Thursday night. They've gone from being that 2-0 and start, pushing the Panthers to the limit. They've probably come the closest to beating the Panthers this season. And they did that the bulk of them, about 45 minutes with 12 men. Yep, and now they're 2-3. and three. They have a point differential... Well, it's not too bad, the point differential, but it's still not good either. Minus 24. <laughs> oh, good. You were loading into that sentence ready to absolutely bag the four and against, weren't you? Yeah. Like, if I look at, <laughs> no, because I looked at the Broncos and they were minus 31. And I was like, oh, surely there's a team that's got a better one than that. Like, surely there's a team like down here that's like minus 12, minus 18 or something that I can load into. But in no, Canberra's minus yeah. 46, St. George is minus 62, Tigers are minus 64, and the Bulldogs are a very nice minus 69. So oh, I saw that and I was like, you better not do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't resist, can't you? But um, for Newcastle, there's going to be a big reshuffle. Edric Lee will pro- most likely get recalled onto that wing spot. Phoenix Crossland will move to halfback with Adam Kloon going off. And you suggest someone like a Simi Sagasagi will probably come in on the bench. I got there eventually. Or David Klammer is still about a week or two away. He's out. Um, It's a really dim time for the Knights at the moment. And that's why a lot of people had them around that low table finish. Yeah, it's just... This is the thing with Newcastle. They have a lot of really solid young players. And it's this is coming. beautiful thing of the Newcastle youth development system is they always get the young players in that can come in and play first grade. Mm-hmm. But it's proven through the generation. There's a difference between being, and I don't know if you'll understand this, AJ, a difference between being a first grade player and an NRL player. I understand it very clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... What I mean to those who don't understand is, yeah, you can come and you can play at the highest level of rugby league. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to stay there. 100%. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these nice players. They're 100%. able to fill in. They're able to provide depth on the interchange. But the moment players become healthy, they get shifted back to, to the reserves. Yeah. And it hurts development. And it just shows how little depth the Knights actually have. Yeah, 100% it does, mate. Uh, do you, I just got a question, Mark. Uh, Adam O'Brien ended his press conference rather abruptly when asked a question about Caelan Ponga's future. He seemed to laugh it off. Do you think there's any concern there about his future at the moment? Because obviously the stuff during the week that Ben Dobbin came out and said about how Caelan Ponga requested that second meeting with the Dolphins, do you think that kind of weighs in on a player's performance at the moment? Uh, look, I think... I feel like Kalen Ponga knows what he wants to do in 2023. Um, so for him, 
I don't know if there would be anything weighing on his mind. Because if I'm playing basketball, for example, and I know that I'm not going to be playing the next season, it wouldn't be like, well, I haven't told my teammates I'm going to suffer, like, lose confidence because of this. I would just go out and play. And I feel like that'd be the same with Kalen Pong. If he knows what he's going to do and he doesn't have anything weighing over his head except that he has to tell people, it won't hurt his play. But I think. But do you think the, other... the media pressure, sorry, just to cut in there, do you think the media pressure every single week surrounding his future, that's the sort of point I was getting at? Oh, well, in that case, yeah, 100%. But that's what these players get media coached for. These teams spend thousands of dollars a year on media coaching their star players to make sure when they go to a press conference, they're going to be okay. And, you yeah. know, if Kalen Ponga can't get that done, then, you know, at some point that's on him. 100%. If you're saying that NRL players are hiring media coaches, then why the hell are half of the player turned commentators sound like they completely don't know what they're talking about? <laughs> look, look, look. <laughs> I think there's a difference between having a media coach and actually using it. Bingo. Um, okay, Friday Night Football's first match saw Warriors 25 defeat North Queensland 24. The Warriors secured their third win on the trot with a golden point field goal by Sean Johnson in an impressive match that kind of saw a return to 2021 PVL ball, purely based on the fact that it was a high-scoring game. We haven't had many of those this season. Um, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take, I'll take it over some of the rubbish we've seen so far this season, but um, both sides had numerous opportunities to win it. The Warriors had five shots of field goal. <laughs> and yes, Matt Burden didn't take one. I had to get that round three reference in there. <laughs> um, but the Warriors look like they're the goods this year. And I think... It just goes to show you that they're, they're grit up there for the fight. They were down 18-6 before halftime. Chanel Harris-DeVita booms this 40-20 in. And then Josh Curran, who is one of, their, one of the most improved players in the competition, I'd say, goes over and scores that vital try right on halftime. And then, obviously, they drop the ball off the kickoff. Cody Nikarima goes for a gap bigger than Sydney heads to score. Just goes to show that the Cowboys maybe seem to fading at the moment. Yeah, well, it seems like... Well, first of all, actually, let me ask a question. Did yep. Todd Payton blame it on refereeing or anything out of his control? Um, I didn't listen to the press conference because I was um, glued to the Roosters-Broncos game. <laughs> but Fair from enough. what I can see, no, he actually blamed his playing group. Oh, so the other thing he does. He blamed, his, he blamed poor discipline... And inability to ice the game in the clutch. I mean, when Jake Granville kicks the ball dead in goal in the 77th minute. He has a point. He has a very good point. They were um, set but... up for the field goal. Granville ducks out a dummy half. He's got no idea what he's doing and kicks the ball dead. Yeah. Look, I think the problem right now is the Cowboys is that they don't have winning experience. I think really outside of Tamalolo and Chad Townsend, if you want to count him, they don't have that guy in the clutch who's going to step up and go, guys, this is how you win a footy game. I think they do have that guy. He's just unfortunately on the sidelines at the moment. Hammer. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like you look at that game against the Warriors last year in Townsville, they're down by six with three to go. He gets the ball. Gets the try, 
well, I think he sprinted 80 metres or something to score. Yeah. That, and then they roll up field and kick the field goal to win the game. Yeah, that's not ridiculous. It's not a ridiculous point for me. I, I'm tempted to agree, but, <laughs> you know, it's the Cowboys. I'm always going to play to the Cowboys every chance I get. It is the, it is the Cowboys. I, I will 100% agree with you there. But um, we are going to discuss uh, a rather unfortunate incident to come out of this game involving Marcelo Montoya. We will get onto that. We'll do it at the back end, actually. Yeah. Because I really don't want to talk about that here because I don't think it's appropriate to at this point. Okay. Uh, Reece Shaw, welcome to leave the podcast now. Roosters 24, defeating the Brisbane Broncos 20. I am very, very happy. Yeah, and I'm very, very heartbroken because, look, when the Bron- you've seen the last two weeks. When the Broncos lose a game that I know they should have lost, I will go in on them. I'm not afraid to hold back. But this is probably a game the Broncos deserve to win, you know? This is probably the best game the Broncos have played all season, better than their wins against the Bulldogs and the Rabbitohs. And uh, to come away without the win, it's very tough. But at the end of the day, that is, it's, that's rugby league in a nutshell. You're going to lose some of those games. Uh, what is promising is the way the Broncos played. Adam Reynolds, he was forced to take more control of the game with Albert Kelly um, out injured. Yep. And because of that, Katoni Staggs found form again because he was getting touches of the ball. Um, at the expense of Herbie Farnworth, but that's what happens when you have a halfback play on one side of the field. Um, um, yeah, 100%. Despite the fact the ball wasn't being followed at that side, Corey Oates still had an absolute hell of a game. Patrick? Yep. Um, the forward pack, they stepped up big time. You reckon? I reckon. All right, so let's, let's just go through the... We'll go through it because... Um, Payne Haas, 200 metres, no surprise. Palacios, 17 carries, 140. Kobe Hedrington, 14 for 123. They're your three big go-forwards. Jensen had 110 off the bench. Yeah, well, with Carrigan out, we needed someone to carry the load, so I'm very happy to see Palacios and Kobe were the ones who yeah. stepped up to do that. Ryan the Pillow James, 8 for 65. Freaking softy. Um, Kurt Capewell, 6 for 64. Ricky, 7 for 48. Yeah, you expect that from those three. You know, it is good to see. Um, it is good to see that uh, obviously Jensen did have a good few run meters because I don't think he did that well in his first game against the Cowboys. So no, he didn't. Um, but I want to play that. You, your two back rowers did that. The Roosters back rowers, Tupanua, twelve for one hundred and ten. Crichton, twelve for one hundred and thirty-two. That's the difference. Yeah, but the Roosters use their back rowers differently to how we use our back rowers. No. Our back rows, our back rows stick on the edge and get used in attack. Your back rows come in and take hit ups. Yeah, but Tupanua needs to. I mean, you know, I'm the biggest advocate for Tupanua not getting the ball enough. Yeah, you you want Tupanua to be effective in attack, and that is yeah. perfectly understandable when you look at the way he played at the back end of the game. That's right. Yeah. Also, Fletcher Baker got 110 meters for the Roosters as well. Yeah, we all love Fletcher Baker, so... We all do. For those that don't know, Reese and I were doing a commentary of a game. We were hyping up Fletcher Baker's debut, all commentary. He's second Because really, we had nothing ball. else to do. Really, we had nothing else to do except hype up that debut. Oh, because the Roosters were beating the shit out of the Tigers. <laughs> yeah. 
And then Lindsay Collins burst through. Reese has never gotten that hyped before, not even for a Queensland game. <laughs> we did Queens, the call of Game 3 Origin when Queensland won the series. We did. And I didn't get that excited for any Queensland try that I did when I realised that the player who caught the offload from Lindsay Collins was Fletcher Baker. <laughs> okay. You've had your Broncos there, so now it's time for me to be an absolute pain in the ass. <laughs> Here we go. You lost to a team that has the worst goal-kicking ratio in the NRL, yet you brought a halfback who missed two crucial goals. All you have to do is kick one, and off the two penalties you receive in the 80th minute, you take the two and win the game. <laughs> uh, Joseph Manu tore you guys to absolute shreds. But in my defence, Saz did um, Katoni Stags on Paul Momorowski. Uh, Paul Momorowski, where is the defence? Nine missed tackles. <laughs> Nine. Sam Walker only missed three. That's actually interesting to know, Reese. Uh, Brent Reed has actually shut the fuck up about Sam Walker in the last few weeks. You know why? Why? Because he's actually played freaking good. Um, let's address the elephant in the room. Should Jared Hargreaves have been placed on report? I know what you're going to say, so I'm going to go first. I'm saying no. Because this is why... He has earned the right to a quick play the ball because he's broken the line. He is not... To argue intent there, I think, is very dangerous. You might think differently, but I think to argue intent there is very, very dangerous. Well, my answer is yes, because at minimum, that's on report. At minimum. You know, it doesn't matter to me... Obviously, when you start arguing sin binnings, send-offs, etc., it's a different story. Yeah. But placing a player on report doesn't change the game. Placing a player on report just signals to the judiciary that they or the MRC that they might want to have a look at that. Did you guys score off that set? Let's have a look. I don't see. Remember, actually. No, it was after Oates scored. Ah, okay. And then you guys well, knocked on off the very next tackle, which prompted me to tweet karma. Yeah, well, still, points points still made. All right, being placed on report doesn't impact the game. I don't see why the referee didn't put him on report for that. Um, I just don't know why the... When Joe Manu scored their second try, I thought straight away he scored. And again, I might be consciously biased, but I watched the replay back today. How they went up with no try on that is absolutely ridiculous. You see it happen all the time, though, AJ, especially in a try scored in a critical situation. They love to go up with no try and let the bunker determine whether it's a try or not. But why don't they just award it and then have the bunker buzz in? Obviously, they thought that there would be evidence disputed, so wouldn't be enough evidence to overturn. Probably. And that's what happened. The um, referee just went with the safe call of a no try. Yeah. Especially given, you know, it's at Suncorp, home crowd advantage. You don't want to have a bunch of of pissed-off Broncos fans beating you up as you go to the Captain's Chiefs pub, so... I mean, we all know we all know what happened at Lang Park when the King got abused in 1988. Exactly, yeah. We had kids all over the field. 
it's probably the worst place to referee unless they start taking games to Mount Druitt. I mean, Sunday Arvo at Cambo is pretty brutal, man. <laughs> <laughs> my, my Penrith listeners will back that up 100%. Sunday Arvo at Cambo is pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, but Sam Walker's ice sideline conversion. It was nice. It was nice. It was nice. And considering the fact that I was shitting bricks watching that goal kick because of the Roosters' well-documented goal-kicking issues, I was shitting my pants watching that kick. At the end of the day, you know, there's players who prefer kicking in the clutch to kicking in the regular plays of the game. I need that. I need that um, pie face TikTok ice in the fucking veins, mate. And <laughs> <laughs> sum up that play. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But he, he's, he's a very clutch player, Sammy Walker. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely – I mean, he saw in the finals last year exactly the same thing against the Titans. Makes the strip-down tackle on Philip Sami and then chases across the ground and helps contribute to Patrick Herbert not passing on time. Yeah, exactly. Um, 23,000, I think, is a bit of a disappointing crowd considering it's Broncos v Roosters. Um, on a prime Friday night with a renewed Broncos side, you drew 37,000. Against the Cowboys a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I think it just comes down to the fact that um, Broncos in Roosters, they're on two different ends of the spectrum. The Broncos fans were, probably weren't expecting the game to be this close. I think, obviously, you know, if we meet in the finals at Suncorp, it's going to be a sellout because every finals game at Suncorp is a sellout. Yeah. Uh, I think if we were to meet again later in the season at Suncorp, Say COVID strikes again, and they have to move all the games back to Queensland for a second year in a row. Yeah, I think it would be a big crowd. I think it's so too. I just, yeah, I was just a little bit doubted about what we've seen there. Okay, enough talking about this game. Uh, Raiders v Storm from Wagga Wagga. I like the regional road trip, man. Uh, 30 points to 16. Melbourne got up over Canberra. Uh, the Storm just showing that they're a class above again this season. Yeah, and then they turned around and said there was plenty of room for improvement. So that's the scary part, especially knowing how tight this competition is this season. It's interesting because the Storm right now, they have the two best hookers in the NRL Smith and Grant. Smith and Grant. And I'm sure as a Roosters fan, you're absolutely licking your lips at the prospect of getting Smith to the club next season. I'm very, very happy. I mean, we don't have a dummy half at the moment. Drew Hutchison's trying, he's trying very valiantly. Uh, we're getting Sammy Verrills back next week. That'll be a massive yeah. boost. I do feel sorry for Sammy Verrills and all this, with Smith almost certainly going to the Roosters. I don't think it's been officially announced yet. But yeah, we've been, we announced it in December. Officially? Yeah, we've been we announced it ages ago. I must have absolutely whiffed over that because I remember yeah, seventeenth of December. The Sydney yeah, Roosters like, of today announced the signing of Brandon Smith to a three-year deal. Okay, I, like, I remember there were rumours about that, but I don't remember actually seeing anything officially announced, so okay. It was just before I Christmas. I was licking my lips. Yeah, okay, I don't know what what I'm talking about then. I must just be off my rocker as usual. It was, um, it was Christmas. I'll, you're working late shifts at Woolies. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. True, true, true. Um, um, you go. Mate. Oh. No, you go. <laughs> that was nice. See, this is the problem with doing remote podcasting, people. But we're both gentlemen. But yeah, we, we are. We, we know each other. We're both nice. Um, 
It was actually a rare thing for Canberra because Tom Starling started a game. Um, and Ryan Sutton's wife wasn't whinging because Ryan was playing first grade this week. <laughs> um, but I will give a rap to Josh King. I gave him a rap last week too. He's got to be in consideration as one of the top five locks in the competition. I know the lock market is very, very tight, but he just plows away. And to keep Brandon Smith out of the 13, it's not an easy feat. He's just one of those players who signs with the Storm and Craig Bellamy works his magic on him and he just becomes a stud. You, you know, started that sentence. That to? Think about it. Dallas Johnson. All right. You had Brian Norrie, mm-hmm. Dale Finucane. Even White. if you only count that one random season where Jason Riles was there. <laughs> For every one of those, you have a Tom Lero, Lars, and a George Rose. Okay. Those are the exceptions to the rule. They just never wanted to work. <laughs> or would you add Nate Miles to that list? I wouldn't even consider Nate Miles a storm player. I try to forget that. <laughs> Happened. I'm still trying to forget he was a Roosters player. I'm sure Seagulls fans are trying to forget he was a Seagulls player as well. <laughs> Realistically, um, let's change all the records and have Nate Miles' career end when he left the Bulldogs. 100%. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the Daly M voting is still a farce. Um, Ryan Pappenhausen got two votes and I've got to look up the Hux's rant of the week because that's a new segment on this today. podcast. You made it today. Do you want me to pull it's it up? Ta- yeah, it's time for Hux's rant of the week. All right, so Adam Hux, in case you don't know who this guy is, Adam Huxable, he is, in my opinion, the greatest NRL Twitter member of all time. And we're both good mates with him. Yeah, so here is his rant of the week, and this is all about Ryan Pappenhausen. He has a massive anti-Pappenhausen agenda, of course. But this Wasn't one... he the originator of the Dufties better than Pappenhausen? Yes, he was. After this weekend, I'm doubting it. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'm not always the biggest agreeer of his Pappenhausen takes, but I think this one is on the money. So, okay. Pappenhausen, you see what he did there? Yep. All but assured the Dalliam. Clearly the popular pick amongst the voters received another two points this weekend after producing these whopping stats. Seven runs for 78 metres, zero line breaks, zero line breaks assists, zero tackle breaks, zero offloads, two tackles with three missed. But he did score a try by yet again supporting the line break of his more talented teammates. So he's basically <laughs> Steve Renner. There is not a more overrated player in the game right now. Harry Grant's stats for zero Dalian points. 12 runs for 98 metres, one line break, one line break assist, seven tackle breaks, 29 tackles, one miss. His try was also a lot more impressive and came at a pivotal moment in the game. Yeah. And then the best part is someone replied back, well, Patton hasn't deserved it because he scored 14 points in the game. Yeah. Adam replied, good on him. He kicked a few conversions. Better retrospectively award Hazamel Masri three Dalliams. <laughs> That's gold. That is actually gold. <laughs> that is very, very good. That is this week's Hux rant of the week. 
Very, very talented. Uh, and he also put up another one um, three hours ago when he was tagged in a screenshot of the um, best fullbacks of the week. The dot most dot overrated dot player dot intercop. <laughs> Who was the judge? He has a massive anti papagenda and honestly, I can't blame him. But you, you know, think I'm anti Latrell? Pardon? You think I'm an anti Latrell Mitchell? Look at look at that. <laughs> Wait, you haven't seen me get real mad about a player yet, have you? Um, I mean, no, I haven't. Yeah, well, let me tell you. If there was one player in the NRL, if this guy was still in the league, if there was one player I would do this for, it's 100% Will Chambers. Oh, 100%. Hands down. 100%. I could not stand Will Chambers as a player when he was in the NRL. I thought he was the worst player that had ever formed a consistent spot in the Queensland side, ever. I think he was just put in the team just to shit-talk the opposition. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Blocker was the judge in Wagga Wagga. Three to Jerome Hughes, two to Pappenhausen, one to Nelson Osofa Solomona. And, Reese, I'm about to make you even more pissed off. You know why? Why? Stags did not get a Dalian point. At this point, I'm not even upset. I'm just disappointed. The judge was Joey, so there's a fair chance he was on ecstasy during the game. Yeah, I was going to say, cracked a couple of pills open before halftime. Oh, 100%, mate. It's new, It's a Newcastle culture. <laughs> he um, was probably celebrating the Roosters' win by skateboarding past Maccas again. Uh, junior, uh, Josh Papali, he probably, was judged. Probably called, probably called up his good mate, Anthony Minicello, as well. Fucking Derek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh Papali, he was charged with grade one dangerous contact. It's his first defence. He'll receive a $1,000 fine. As we touched on, Jared Maria Hargreaves received a grade one dangerous contact and is also given a $1,000 fine. Uh, Saturday's second match saw South Sydney 24 defeat St. George Illawarra 12 and defied the agenda that they can't win without Latrell Mitchell. Uh, Latrell was subbed off uh, early in the first half with a hamstring injury, but it comes with a massive asterisk. It was against St. George. At this point, any win against St. George should come in an asterisk, regardless of whether you lose your star player or not. It's St. George. Fair. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, how long did he last? I'm telling you right now. I said it at the start of the season. I'm going to say it again now, and I'll say it again at the end of the season, I'm sure. And I'll say it again between then a couple of times. Yeah. The decision for the Dragons to re-sign Anthony Griffin might be the biggest case of a board choosing to favour a coach over their players in NRL history. I think you have to give him some sort of benefit of the doubt, to be fair, because... You look at Barbecue Gate, what that did to the club. AJ, they have won one game from their last 13. I know. At the, what point do you not give him the benefit of the doubt? Does he have to I go wanted to see 20? how this season started first. I wanted to give him at least until Magic Round. By AJ. then the season's probably gone, but you at least develop guys like Sloan. AJ, the season's already gone. I just wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, but now he's fucked the selection. AJ, I know they've played some tough teams, obviously. Penrith, Cronulla, Parramatta, Seas. That's a rough month. But 
outside of a few moments in that Dragons game, they never even looked close to beating any of the Panthers those. game? Pardon? You mean the Panthers game? You said Dragons yeah. game. Sorry. A few, at a few moments in the Panthers game, they never looked close to beating any of those guys. Dragons game all of a sudden turns into a must-winner. So the Dragons game this week against Newcastle is almost a must-winner. It has to be, because if they don't, that's... Well, really, you usually have to look at, you know, 12 and 12 record to make the finals. They okay. lose to Newcastle, all right? That's already five losses. You're already almost halfway there to having to kiss eighth place goodbye. Okay, let's take a look at their next month. So they've got the Knights, Roosters. Oh, fuck, they've got the Tigers. Could you imagine that game? That game might legitimately end 1-0. That is the super tank ball without that might end. That might end 1-0 with an 89th minute field goal. No, it'll be like that 8-1 game at Cogra a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Shove the referee in the back. I'm looking at it. It doesn't get any easier. They got Newcastle this week. Roosters, then the Tigers. Roosters, the Tigers, the Storm, the Titans. They have the Warriors again. Then the Bulldogs. And then the Cowboys. The only, and then positive, the is, again. The only positive is that drag that Bulldogs game's at Belmore. That's even worse for them. I know, it's a, but it's good to be back at Suburban Grounds. Okay, yes, but we're not talking about Suburban Grounds here. We're talking about <laughs> the Bulldogs Dragons. So using your logic, what point do you draw the line on Anthony Griffin's tenure? Honestly, if they lose the Tigers game, he should never even make the team bust. But outside of that, realistically... I think if they lose 10 games before they win three, he has to go. Fair point. I, I want to, I, as I said before, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt to start the year. But before you absolutely shoot me down, things haven't worked. I think dropping Tyrell Sloan will go down as one of the biggest selection blunders in the last decade. Are you ready for me to shoot back, AJ? Yep. I had to watch him coach for four seasons at the Brisbane Broncos. That's my argument. <laughs> That's my argument. Uh, 2011, you made the prelude final, but you were carried by Lockie. 2012, elimination final loss to the Cowboys. Yep. 2013, you failed to make the eight. 2014, you lose elimination final again. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the next season, we get way better. and We magically make the grand final and come within 10 seconds away from winning it. You know, with almost the exact same roster by the inclusion of Adam Blair and the departure of Ben Barber. You only make that grand final as easily as you do because Sean Kenny Dow is a fucking idiot. AJ, we beat you 36-6. I don't think that intercept really matters in the grand scheme of things. It was 31-12. Okay, sorry, 31-12. Again, I don't think that intercept means anything in the grand scheme of things. Maybe, but you did get on a roll. You, you were up 18-0 within the first 15 minutes from memory. We would have done that anyway. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're saying, you're saying your entire team dropped the bundle because of one try. Jeez, imagine if you had actually gone to the grand final and gotten embarrassed by the Cowboys again. We beat them in round one, 28-4. <laughs> oh, round one, when the Cowboys weren't ready, they lost their first, what, three games? Yeah, they're the, only, they're the first club in history to go 0-3 and, and make the grand final. There's no doubt that they got historically better. We're just taking this piece out of each other because we've got nothing better to do and talk about. But look, the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I swear, that's like, you know, I'm 
very rarely going to be able to put shit on AJ for the Broncos being the Roosters. So true. Like I got to um, do it a little bit. I got to do it a little bit last year. I got to do it a little bit in 2019. Other than I, that, I will admit I went over. Game, I will admit I went overboard in 2020 when we won 59 nil. You went very <laughs> overboard, AJ. But then you, <laughs> I went overboard. And then after the Roosters get embarrassed by Seahawks. I made a remark in one of the podcasts about saying 2000, 2001 was the greatest year in rugby league history because South got kicked out. And you hit back with the lowest blow on this series. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of us rambling on about random crap. Saturday night's nightcap saw Parramatta 26 defeat. The Gold Coast tied its 20. Um, Another but, solid game between these two teams. Yes. But it's dominated by... Captain's challenges and half-naked women running the field. Also, Junior Paulo. I will get to Junior Paulo. He was charged with a grade two careless high tackle. A lot of commentary saying he shouldn't be sinbinned. Um, watching the replay back, there is direct contact to the head with the shoulder. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that that is the rule. You go to the sinbin. At the end of the day, uh, with the Paulo incident. Um, obviously there's the argument, oh, but he hit him in the chest first. You know, yeah, maybe maybe you can say that. But at the end of the day, it's a dangerous technique. He makes contact to the head. Regardless of where he hits first, if you make contact to the head with the shoulder, you have to go. Have to. That's the rules. It is the rules. And it's it it may be frustrating to the fans, but I mean the whole point. The whole point of it is to discourage players from using that technique in the first place. I agree. We've worked so hard post-Magic Round to be able to turn things around with the tackling. We're starting to see some improving. Uh, Thank you, Mitch Barnett, for screwing it up. (laughs) But I don't know, man. And I think we'll talk about the captain's challenge drama because... There was two challenges that shouldn't have been challenges. If there's a positive, at least the referee was consistent. True. Consistently incorrect, though, as proven by Graham Annesley in his briefing today, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, Sunday football. Sharks 30 defeat the Tigers 4. And once again, pitch invaders dominate on the field. This one was even worse than the other one. I just got one question. How the fuck do you let someone into the stadium with a flare? They must have thought it was a soccer game. (laughs) As a Wanderers fan, you admitting that so openly, mate. (laughs) I will be happily admit, but on the real. On the real, okay? Let's get back to the focus here. It was so dangerous, dude. It's so dangerous. And the fact that he went onto the field with the flare. That's he a major so error. so close to the players. Yeah, that's security can't let that happen. Where were they? Watching the crowd. <laughs> like, you go to games, right? You go to games and you see the security happily in their seats and you take the piss out of them for not watching the game. Yet they miss the pitch invader. How can you let someone get so close to the players with a flare, you know, when you're supposed to be doing your job? 
I think it ended up being three different pitch invaders. One of their pitch invaders tackled a security guard. So they got some revenge after that crunching <laughs> hit on Saturday. By the way, are you agreeing or disagreeing with the level of force? Obviously, there's a clear-cut answer. I just want to make sure we're on the same page so I don't have to yell at you. Yeah, we, I agree with your points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a varying degree of force. <laughs> um, look, look back- mate, mate they, you didn't make contact with the head, but it is a dangerous technique, so it's going on report. On report, you're in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize we were back in Magic Round, AJ. No, nah, we would have just been a straight send-off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back on field, uh, obviously plans for the Tigers did not start well when Dane Laurie tested to COVID, tested positive rather, to COVID-19 at the ground. This forced Stafford Toa, who was already playing in the centres, to shift back to fullback, and now Lord and Saviour Luke Garner playing in the centres. I swear to God, every time the Tigers have a player go down in the backfield, in the back, in like the side of the game, Luke Garner plays centers. Doesn't matter which position it is, Luke Garner just plays centers. Do you remember the day when he was starting at centers ahead of Tommy Talao? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if no, that's no, not like, enough to like, get Madge it's like, sacked. It's like, oh, Luke Brooks is injured. How are we going to fix it? Let's play Luke Garner at center. Problem solved. Um, oh, God. Sports bet have absolutely ripped him a new one as well. They've started up saying they've done a. I have the Tiger parody for the West Tigers being last on the ladder. I'm mm. not going to play it, but <laughs> it is gold, mate. I'll have to look it up on my own time. It is very good. But the Sharks, they just had to breathe and they would have won this game. Honestly, the Sharks could have brought it back Chad Townsend. And they still would have won. They could have played Matic Valu on crutches. They could have played Matic Valu on crutches at halfback and won the game. I mean, that's a bit of disrespect there. Um, <laughs> also, well, am, I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Uh, Braden Hamlin Ueli was charged with a grade one careless high tackle. He'll be, he'll get, uh, Jesus, can I speak today, AJ? A thousand dollar fine for his troubles. AJ went back to his Italian heritage there. No, I went back to my YouTube days when I used to do AJ Predicts. <laughs> I was watching back those videos the other day. Fuck, well, I was cringe. But hey, you got predictions right, so... Yeah, no. we're solid. Okay, Sunday Night Football, Penrith 32 defeated Canterbury Bankstown 12. Now, as predicted by us on the league scene last week, Kyle Flanagan won the gig at halfback. So, Reese, we got our first exclusive. And it's safe to say, I mean, you did a better clap than Jason Garrett, I might add, too. Um, yes. He looks solid. He did. And like I said, he's the perfect combination with uh, Matt Burden. Burden is able to play that more attacking role, take the game on, whereas Flanagan sits back and just plays the game, kicks, passes, everything like that. Do you think and the scoreline... Having Burden there took a lot of pressure off Flanagan. Oh, 100%. And had to. Having, and having Flanagan there took pressure off Burton. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs, they're just not as good as the Panthers. That's what cost them the game. There's a massive talent disparagement there. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, that gap will close slightly next year, but this season, it was a solid hit out for the Bulldogs. Nothing spectacular, but it's encouraging. Although, I will say Trent Barrett 
probably needs to learn what um, what a post game press conference is. Oh God, wasn't that pathetic? God, like he gets asked a simple question. Okay, why? Fair credit did... to the journal. Yeah, full credit to the journal for asking the question. He asks what, and he backs it up with stats too, which not a lot of journals do. He says, oh. "Why did Flanagan get less touches in the game um, than Avarillo and Wakem did?" He asks, "Was it a designed move by Barrett in terms of running the offense?" And Barrett mm-hmm. just said, "No." Left at that, and didn't he walk out after that? Yep, they, him and Josh Jackson both walked out. Bloody typical for them. Um, yeah. I really want to try and get the reporter's name because I want to give him full credit. Yeah, same here. And I, I think I will say quickly. I love, obviously, a lot of people on NRL Twitter. You know, they make my day. But I think the Oracle. Uh, got it massively wrong with his tweet today. No. Saying, it was ridic- saying it was a ridiculous question. He backed it up like it was a brilliant start. Brilliant it, it question. Was, honestly, I've seen some awful questions in NRL presses. That's not one of them. <laughs> if you wanted to be awful, ask him why he was verbally abusive and under 10 year old one time. I was five. That's I was five. I was trying to be respectful, AJ. Make it look <laughs> as bad as it actually was. I absolutely went to town on him that day. All I know about this bloke is he, he, he's a journalist for the Raw sports website. That's actually very surprising because the Raw aren't usually good at being journalists. Um, um, he's been in the press conferences a few times. It's the bloke with the British accent. So if anyone can get us the name, please let me know. And he'll be getting full credit next week. Yeah, 100%. Let me know as well if you can. Um, I want to give him a good old firm handshake. Okay, we've got to address something else about Canterbury now. Um, Matt Dufty. Uh, can we not? Can we just touch on how poor of a game he had? Hang on a sec. I'm pretty sure I still have a tweet there on what Dufty at Brisbane. Let me just go delete that real quick. Um... <laughs> okay, he had six runs for 46 metres. Hang on. It gets even better. Dylan Edwards had 20 for 220 metres. See a trend there? Um, yes. On the, on the positive, though, it was nice to see the Fox finally have open space. He finally trotted, brah. Hey, let's trot. <laughs> let's trot. Let's trot, brah. <laughs> And Jeremy Marshall King did not receive a Dalian point. Thank fuck for that. And neither did Isaiah Yo, so his streak of four straight comes to an end. I thought it was mandatory in the NRL rules that if Isaiah Yo ran into the field, he had to get a Dalian point. Because <laughs> that's the way I it's gave, been the last first four rounds. I gave him two points. I gave Dylan Edwards my three, and I think I gave Matt Eisenhoof my one. It's hilarious that the one time you actually give him points is the one time the Dalyambos decide not to. I gave him points last week too. Okay, fair. I didn't give him points for that Newcastle game, and obviously the Dalyambos disagreed with me there. So the thing that annoyed me last week was Edwards was so dominant. 
He was easily the best on the park. Yeah, well, here's the thing. We all know that Dalian voters don't actually watch the games. They just see who won and who the biggest name in the team is and give the vote to that. I mean, Blocker was watching the game, to be fair, at Wagga Wagga. He was commentating there. Okay, but Blocker just has CTE, unfortunately. Um, um, so... Scott Sattler was working for SEN in a Sydney studio. Which I game did he to... do? The Warriors-Cowboys game. Was Three there any Har- controversy coming from that? Um, one to you and Aiken would be the more big controversy. Okay, but it's one vote. Look, obviously I get mad when Jeremy Marshall King gets one vote, but I actually like you and Aiken, so I won't get mad at him. Um, Chanel Harris-DeVita got three, Scott Drinkwater got two. So it's completely different to what I had. Because I but, had three to Johnson, two to Josh Curran, and one to Tama Lolo. But what do you know, AJ? You're just a kid. Hey! What do you know about rugby league? What do you know? <laughs> what do you know about rugby league? Seriously. <laughs> I've got my own podcast. I'm pretty reliable with a lot of credibility. <laughs> oh, imagine if that was just the basis for everything. What do you know about being a general of the military? Oh, I've got my own podcast. <laughs> you know, if we're all going to die. Boss, it works least, for me. We're all going to die, but at least I can talk about us all dying. And you know what they're going to play when they go off to war? What are they going to play? Rambo Rock? Fortunate son. <laughs> okay, I was really the, disappointed. What about, what, about, what about the fortunate son Rand Ball Rock remix? <laughs> <laughs> you got me hyped on that now. <laughs> I'm going to have to make it up for you. Seriously. Oh, do, um, that'll be the take ball music for the history of the show. <laughs> okay. Um, news to come out of the week. Um, Marcelo Montoya will be referred straight to the judiciary. For um, contrary conduct is the charge. However, he was picked up allegedly on the referee's mic calling Cowboys player Kyle Felt a homophobic slur. Now, because we do not want to get cancelled and out of respect for the gay community, we will not use that word. Yeah. Um, However, some teammates have, let's just put it this way, they have come out in pretty strong support. Uh, Josh Curran was one, I believe, Reese, or is that your low cow? No, that's not going to be my low cow. I'll talk about it with the Josh Curran thing because I think it's an absolutely ridiculous defense by Josh Curran. You're very it's, strong on this, aren't you? I'm very strong. Obviously, I have, I, I, not obviously, I do have some gay friends and it isn't something that I take lightly, um, this kind of activity. Um, yep. So Joe Curran, or Josh Joe. Curran. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't call him Black Curran. Um, <laughs> um, but obviously someone sent a message to Josh Curran about the slur, about their opinion. I don't think, wasn't, didn't he respond to a DM? Yeah, he did. And he responded saying... Bro, why are you saying he meant it in a homophobic way? He did not at all. It was a heat of the moment thing. And he has a cousin who is gay and he supports it. Why are you making out like he's the bad guy when he did not mean it this way? This is how you lose players' respect when you don't know anything but the media blows it up. It's appalling. Look, obviously I don't know Marcelo Montoya's cousin. I don't know Marcelo Montoya at all. But I highly doubt he's calling his cousin the word he called Kyle Felt. So, basically, because he, uh, Marcelo Montoya has a cousin that's gay, that makes it okay for him not to do it. So, if I have a cousin that survives getting shot, that gives me the right to go out and shoot people. 
I have a friend who's using Aboriginal. that logic. I have a friend who's Aboriginal. Why can't I go out and racially abuse someone? Fair. I, so, I think I think it's a terrible excuse. Um, and that's all we can call it for, an excuse. It is. It's at the end of the day. Even if it is heat of the moment, even if it is just something that's been taken out of context, you can't call someone that. If you call someone that in just the workplace, you're going to face massive consequences for it. You're going to be fired, potentially. Pretty much, yeah. So we'll see what the judiciary does tomorrow. I think they handled the uh, Mitch Barnett case pretty well. That was their first test. This you think they handled be... that well? Pardon? You thought they handled that well. Your tweet sent uh, seemed to disagree. <laughs> Look, I've had time to think about it. In the heat of the moment, I didn't call someone a homophobic slur. <laughs> I... Allegedly, I suggested oh, I suggested that the judiciary should have sticked with the prosecutor's decision of eight games. But at the end of the day, they went the middle ground, which was six games. Which now, looking back at this, not something I disagree with. Yeah. But the interesting thing for this case is going to be there is no precedent. You can't look back. Like, I brought up the Matt Pryor incident for the Barnett case. When was the last time someone called a homophobic slur? I remember Casey Badger sent someone off in the New South Wales Cup a few years ago for sending off... Sorry, she sent off a player for hurling a homophobic slur at an opponent. Uh, West Magpies prop Cohen Epre uh, was charged with a homophobic slur against Panther Adam Kieran. He pleaded guilty to the charge at the judiciary, but was not suspended. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's hope the game has changed a little bit since then. Now, fair play. We're not criticising the referee for sending him off. Great that she picked it up live yeah. and sent him off from the field. Now, the thing is, I mean, we kind of threw around on Twitter who we thought might have done it. And to be honest with you, the person who added himself came as a complete surprise. Yeah, I will give credit to Montoya for turning around saying he was the one who did it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's weird to give yourself up like that. And obviously he sort of feels if he's come out and said some said it, he can get some brownie points, like with what Barnett did, where the judiciary said he was showing remorse for it. Okay, now... Okay, so we've got some... Um, oh, before we do that, NRLW Grand Final. Uh, Rooster 16 defeated Broncos... Sorry, not Broncos. They were eliminated last week. Sorry. Uh, the Dragons 4. Why do you hurt just, me like this? I'm just so used to them being there. Look, it's, F, it's the fourth NRLW Grand Final. It's the first without the Broncos. We've got another one in, what, six months' time? Yeah, during, of course, the um, final series and the yep. Grand Final. I'm 99% certain the Broncos are going to be there. I would put a bet on it right now that the Broncos will be in the grand final come October. Now, there was an issue uh, that Graham Annesley pointed out in this game. He says he's not blaming the referee due to uh, the trainer being in the road. Uh, Sarah Tokatuki makes a line break. She goes down hurt. The Roosters shift the play to the right-hand side. She remains down and is somewhat in the road. Referee doesn't stop play. The trainer... Um, so the Roosters then shift the ball back to the left-hand side. The trainer then makes the way to the Roosters player, signaling for the game to be stopped. Obviously, you can't stop 
during a play that's already Unless commenced. It's a head injury. Unless it's a head injury. The Dragons players appear to go for a one-on-one strip. They fall off the tackler and Brittany Higgins, sorry, not Brittany Higgins, um, Olivia Higgins uh, scores the game-winning try. Uh, Graham Annesley said there's no reason to stop play. However, Annesley says he believes that play should have been stopped because there was a play the ball and Togatuki was in the road. Yeah, and at the end of the day, when there's that much level of interference from the trainer, you have to stop the play. Now, my question is, with the trainer being in the road and potentially impacted the Dragons' defence, we've seen mutual infringements in called before. Could the question mark that I think should have been asked today is why one shouldn't have been called, could have been called there? That's actually a really good question, AJ. That is actually... I wasn't expecting the ask that, and I'm stunned because... I'm just using my referee brain here because we go back 2019, Roosters... Okay, AJ, 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 we don't get ready to say PDSD. Let's not talk about that game, okay? We all know what you're talking about. When you said the uh, words mutual infringement, we all know what you're talking about, okay? I just... And then that way, we go back to the previous play of the ball where Jess Sergis yeah. is taken right on the goal line. Yeah. Likelihood, Roosters kick a field goal and seal the game. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we go back to the previous play of the ball now all the time when it comes to captain challenges. So it's not it's just like a it's... thought. I actually put that on my live blog live that there maybe may have been a hint of a mutual infringement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a good game to cover, of course. I mean... I was a bit surprised that I've received so much positive feedback in Tsunga. I mean, you you show your bias. Not not you oh, sorry, you don't show your bias very well. So it's good. Yeah. Um Graham Annesley calls that situation a learning curve. It is. It's not something referees deal with all the time, that sort of stuff. So Yeah, hundred percent. But I think I'm not trying to be critical and saying, Oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. I'm just raising it as a possibility of something for the future. So, exactly. Okay. Um, Now, obviously, some of you may have been aware that there was a delay in the Marcelo Montoya case being officially announced. Normally, the charge sheet comes out the morning after a game. This one came out Sunday. Now, the reason for the delay was that, you're going to laugh at this, a delay with fibre optic cable. Huh? It's a weird one. Now, because Redcliffe isn't what the NRL calls a connected venue, hence, you know how... So, basically, all of the main stadiums um, have fibre optic cable that can feed the non-broadcast vision back to the bunker, which gives them their camera angles at their disposal. You with me so far? Yep. Now, because Redcliffe isn't a connected venue... Which is a green, which is a red flag, considering that they've got the Dolphins coming in next year. They only had the broadcast footage at footage at the time to go from, so they had to wait for the footage to get ferried back to Sydney before charging Montoya. That is extremely confusing, and I am absolutely stunned that it is twenty twenty two, and. The NRL is still going through this. I mean, Telstra have just recently upgraded a lot of the fiber optic cables at the ground. So obviously you can do more ultra HD games and whatnot. I mean, I know that because my dad worked for Telstra and it's been a massive part of that. 
Um, <laughs> but Redcliffe is in the process of getting fire op- fiber optic cable at Which the they ground need to if for they the Dolphins arrival next year. Um, okay, Captain's Challenge. We're going to spend a little bit of time here because this is where a bit of the confusion was. Now, I touched on this at the beginning of last week's podcast. But let's go through what a captain's challenge is. A captain can only challenge decisions by the referee which cause play to stop, i.e. any decision by the referee to play on can't be challenged. For clarity, as detailed in point one, as I've mentioned, a challenge cannot be requested during general play if a whistle has not already been blown to indicate a stoppage. E.g., a defending player captain who suspects that the referee has missed a knock-on from an attacking player may not stop general play by requesting a challenge. And that includes deliberately conceding a penalty in order to call a challenge. That's the point. That is what we saw last week. I'm going to go through what Graham Annesley said, but next thing, um, that has been since 2020. So there's been no tinkering in that process since the captain's challenge was brought in. Okay? Yeah. So... What can be challenged off penalties? Offside kick chase, restart infringements, which would be like off a quick tap penalty. Adam G. Hand on the ball. (laughs) Stealing the ball, foul play, obstruction, or a mid-air tackle. Now, what cannot be challenged is what we call discretionary penalties. So your 10 metres, marker offside. The big one, ruck infringements relating to the speed of the play the ball. That's your big one. Yeah. Tackled that's, into... up, that's up to the referee to decide. The bunker can't determine that for the referee. That's discretion. Um, tackled into touch or in goal after the call of held. The mark of the penalty, time wasting, descent, deliberate forward passes, and scrum penalties. Wait, they can't really challenge deliberate forward passes? Ah, fine. You can't challenge a forward pass, so <laughs> why not try and challenge a deliberate forward pass? <laughs> I mean... How, how long has it been since we've had a deliberate forward pass penalty? Josh Reynolds, 2014, I believe. Oh, that's the right. Because the dickhead tried to run down the half time and threw it straight to the player. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to go through each of the incidences now. So we're going to start off with the Toby Sexton one. Um, my notes here, Sexton shouldn't have challenged. The procedure was not followed by referee Peter Goff. If the referee decided a flop was deliberate, then Sinbin. Sexton, in my view, should have been Sinbin as it looked a deliberate flop. Yeah. You cannot well, argue with me that that's not intentional. It's exactly what we saw last week with Turpin, isn't it? Deliberately yeah. conceding a penalty. And we, I think we, we did applaud Chris Sutton for doing that, didn't we? Yeah, we did because they changed the rules after what Munster did. I think it was in last year, 2020. He didn't in the trials. He, oh, yeah, I remember it was Guffo, wasn't it? Yeah, Guffo did it last year. And they closed the loophole they fought. Yep. And the referee came out and addressed that in the game. It was perfect. We applauded them for it. But now we're starting to see the difference between referees. And this is an issue the NRL's had with the entire process of trying to deconcussionify the game, I'll call it. Didn't didn't a bunch of people on NRL Twitter criticise Ben Cummins last week? Oh, sorry, two weeks ago in the Sharks' ninth game for saying, if this challenge is unsuccessful, you're going to the Symbian? 
I believe so, yeah. Then, yeah, I think judging by that. Yes, it was. Yes, you're right. I remember that because it was um, North Luma. Graham Annesley came out and said that that is not part of the process. Yeah, it's not. So we're going to go to the second incident involving Pat Herbert. Um, when he's held back off the ball, it's another poor process from the referee for the second time, as my notes say. But it is, I reckon, in my view, it is Simbin efficient, sufficient. Um, from there, he went on to say the referee was consistent but incorrect on both accounts. Mm. Make of that what you will. Yeah. It's frustrating as a fan. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If a referee allows the challenge to be made and goes up to the bunker, can't mm-hmm. the bunker buzz in and say, actually, you can't challenge this? Hang on, I've got this. Yeah. They actually, the bunker does buzz in sometimes, but in a high-speed situation, they sometimes let things go awry. But and that's the issue. Was... The bunker has to be aware of what can and can't be challenged at all times, in my opinion. I believe that they are working on this process because, as you say, it's only a very recent phenomenon but, over the last six months. But the challenge has been around for two years. When's the loophole happen, though? We've only seen the loophole come in over the course of last year. Okay, but still, the loophole isn't the only thing going wrong with challenges at the moment. What else do you think's wrong with challenges? Just, you know... There's a lot of stuff where captains are asked, oh, can I challenge this? Can I challenge that? First of in all... In my captain... view... Pardon? Go on. In my First view, all... so... Oh, fuck's sake. AJ, you go. Okay. We've just outlined very clearly what can and can't be challenged. Yeah, but the players need to know that. The captains need to know that. The NRL send this document out to the clubs every year. Okay. You can, dr- you can take the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Um, referee, um, the guy doesn't want to say I really love his work. Pardon? Referee, um, I really love his work. <laughs> He's consistent and fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says it's on referees to stop, to recognize what can and can't be challenged. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And then finally he went on to have a go about, it's an incident we don't like to see again, NRL will support police prosecutors in any action they take. He's also concerned about how the flare got into the ground. I'll be asking for a statement from Shark Security. Yeah. All right. Let me sum this up for you. Good pitch and beta, Waddy Homewood. <laughs> Bad pitch and beta, anyone who brings a flare onto the field. We all get the memo? All right. Good. Let's move on. I'm just glad that the bloke ran the 100 metre sprint that quick. Look at the figure of the dude. <laughs> I'd love to talk to Waddy Hollywood. That'd be such a good interview. <laughs> what encouraged him to do that? <laughs> uh, I think it might have been a few beers, maybe even a nose beer or two. Who knows? <laughs> I just loved um, Justin Hodges to the referee afterwards. It's a try, eh? I'll buy a beer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Time for actually our prestigious award. Now it's time for our low cow of the week. <laughs> okay, do you want me to go first? Old. No, you go first. You go okay, first. Okay, so mine this week goes to someone who I'm actually very shocked hasn't gotten this award yet. Phil Buzz Rothfield. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Buzz is my lol cow of the week because he was having a go at the security in the aftermath of the Titans incident because, quote, unquote, the security was a bit heavy crash tackling this woman and wanted to talk to her to create a sob story. Gets even better. The woman, whose name is Javon, went on to Triple M Cairns to say, I think it's fair play. I definitely took what I deserved. So he should keep his job. (laughs) (laughs) So that prompted me to tweet, jog on Buzz Rothfield, as yesterday proved at your wonderful Shark Park, security needs to be strict. How about you report on the NRL investigation into why a flare was allowed in by Shark Security? And I'm actually not... We all know why he doesn't, don't we? Because his conflict of interest is more biased than ours. Yeah, he doesn't want to ruffle any feathers with the Sharkies because they're the ones that pay his wages. How am I not blocked yet? Or at least part of them. How am I not blocked by Buzz yet? Buzz doesn't block anyone, seriously. (laughs) If I said that to Gus, Gus, though... Look, unless you go out and verbally abuse Buzz, he won't block you. With Gus, if you turn around to him and in his comments and say the Bulldogs suck, he blocks you. I really want to do it, but at the same time, his information about care and every serve idol. Well, I need <laughs> you to keep following that because he got he blocked me. <laughs> he blocked right, me you... over he blocked me over a sack report post, unfortunately. <laughs> no. I'm not even joking. God. And All do you right. know what it was about? Canterbury? Carl Flanagan. <laughs> but we all know who's getting in. So we feel good. His name's Shane. <laughs> I feel like I feel like because this was done back in February, and basically, like the whole post was um, that Phil Gould is actually the one in charge of the team, like coaching decision all that. And Trent Barrett's just the figurehead. That's been and the... given the reports we've seen in the last week or so. I reckon that hit a bit too close to home. <laughs> Sack report is lovely. Um, Reese, what's yours? Well, you know I love to go international on this, and I had to do one from the Formula One race um, because it wasn't Melbourne; it was in home. It would have been prime opportunity, I've but unfortunately, Nicholas Latifi did not been into a wall, so I can't do it this week. Um, he crashed in a large stroll. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, but. I'm going to go over to America. Our lol cow for the week is the Los Angeles Lakers. Is this for firing Frank Vogel? Yeah, I'll explain why this is the case. They've had known Vogel was going to be fired for, well, it's been public knowledge for a week. Realistically, the Lakers have known for at least a month, maybe even longer. So they've had all that time to brainstorm a respectable way to leak it to the media. Instead, they decide to tell the media immediately after the Lakers' last game, so not even before Vogel walks off the floor, that Vogel will be fired tomorrow. Who did he leak it to? Pardon? Who did this Lakers staff leak it to? It was Woj, wasn't it? It was Woj, yeah. Fucking course it was. I swear, Woj hates the Lakers so much, but always gets the first intel for him. It's what he does, man. 
He's got uh, he's got some very good moles in every single organization. I'm telling you that much. Imagine imagine if that was like that in the NRL media. Oh well, the NRL media's mole is kind of average. So we know that from I know that from personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> if you know, you know. I put that on my Twitter recently, and thanks to everyone for the support. Yeah. You guys are a bunch of bloody legends. Um, that will wrap us up for the league scene on this lovely Monday night, of course, as we recap our fifth round of the season. Very and that's our longest thanks. episode yet, largely due to the fact that our two teams played against each other. It is. It was very enjoyable this week. <laughs> it was. It was. Thanks. Very entertaining. Very engaging. <laughs> thanks so much for joining me, Reese. Oh, always a pleasure to be here, AJ. That wraps us up for the league scene for round five. We'll catch you again next week. Take care.